You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 116. Well, hey there, Impact Driver. Welcome to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and today we are talking about why agility should be the watchword of the PMO. Now, before project management got subsumed by paperwork, yuck, a project manager's job was primarily focused on risk mitigation and risk avoidance. To do this job successfully required agility, rapid decision-making, and the right people on the right team. So today we're going to explore the mental models, and don't worry, we'll explain what that means, and project management techniques that once made meeting deadlines consistently possible. Before we dive in, this episode is sponsored by MeisterPlan. MeisterPlan is a project portfolio management and resource management tool that helps companies create realistic and achievable project portfolios. With features like drag and drop project ranking, real-time scenario comparison, and allocation heat maps, portfolio managers have all the project data they need right at their fingertips. To see how MeisterPlan can help you uncomplicate your project portfolio, take a free 30-day trial at MeisterPlan.com. That's M-E-I-S-T-E-R-P-L-A-N.com. Okay, let's dive in. I am so excited to talk about this topic. And Donna Fitzgerald is one of my favorite people in this space. And when you're listening to this podcast episode, you're probably like, okay, Laura's had like at least three other guests recently talking about this Donna lady. And now I finally have her on the podcast so that you'll see exactly why so many people just glow and beam about all that she has provided to this community. Now, if you're not familiar with Donna, Donna Fitzgerald managed her first IT program more than a decade before the 1996 version of the PMBOK, the Project Management Body of Knowledge, was published by PMI. In the mid-90s, she became active in the nascent Agile development community. That's right, guys. Agile has been around a lot longer than the last decade. This is mid-90s. Donna was there from the beginning and later wrote for Tech Republic as the nimble PM. In 2007, she joined Gartner's equally nascent Project Portfolio Management PPM Research Group, where she spent the next 10 years. Today, Donna is the Chief Product Evangelist for ProSymmetry and a member of the Analyst Syndicate. While she's occasionally accused of being an iconoclast, her commitment to helping project managers deliver successful projects and programs has never wavered. You'll also know about Donna from the Impact After Hours. She is a regular guest on our happy hour style live streams, thought leader Q&As, where she shares her brilliant insights with all of us in our community in a really matter of fact and call it like you see it kind of way. Donna also is a returning thought leader speaker for the PMO Impact Summit here for 2021. And don't worry, at the end, I will let you know about how you can make sure to not miss Donna's session. And I'll have her share a little teaser of what you can expect at that session this year. So Donna, with all that said, thank you so much for being here and joining me for this podcast today to talk about a very important topic and share some of your sage wisdom and forward thinking advice. 
Thank you, Laura. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Oh, absolutely. And we just, I got to say, all of you listening, that Donna and I had so much to talk about. I was like, okay, we got to squeeze in time for this podcast episode because I was just, I, I hate the term picking your brain, but I was really just pulling as much possible information as I could from her, getting her advice on things. And really, you'll quickly see why so many people go to Donna, frankly, to get some advice on where we've been and most importantly, where we're headed. So today we're talking about why agility should be the watchword of the PMO. And I think it's really important that we, we're not just talking big A agile here, guys, we're talking about agility. So Donna, is it okay if we just kind of dive right in? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So why don't we start with some basics here? What is, you mentioned risk management and when you were describing what this podcast would be about, but also agility. So what's the relationship between the two? I talk a lot about agility and to me, there's this whole concept of what I mean. And then I started to pull it apart and say, well, how do you really put agility into practice? Right. Which led me back to the fact that as project managers and program managers, we are doing things that are inherently risky. Yes. There's a hundred percent guarantee that Murphy's going to stick his fork in it. Oh my gosh, for sure. (laughs) Like every project I ever run, I'm like battling Murphy, personal projects, real estate projects, obviously all this PMO. It's everywhere all the time. You can just expect Murphy's coming. Exactly. So when you know that, Mm -hmm. you know that there will be risk events. Yeah. And to be agile, and forgive me, I don't mean software development. I just need that term there. Yes. Little A. You've got to understand that you're watching for risk. So the two of them, from a practical perspective, are very wedded. So if you do risk mitigation, risk avoidance very, very well, you will have agility. Mm -hmm. You can evidence agility in other ways, but from a hard project perspective, risk management equals agility. Okay. I don't mean the paperwork. I don't mean filling out any of those forms. Right. It's a day-to-day, moment-to-moment activity. Right. Exactly. So that's an interesting way to think about it because inherent in having to shift and pivot to proactively and then sometimes reactively respond to risk, that is behaving with agility. That is the pivoting, the shifting, the having to respond. That is agility. And so when we think about our role as PMOs in organizations, In order to thrive, not simply survive, we must run a little a agile type of PMO. And again, Mm -hmm. you and I are not talking methodology. We're not talking about any particular framework. We're not talking about big A agile. We are talking about the discipline of flexibility, right? (laughs) Which is kind of, (laughs) we are talking about being able to pivot when the business needs change, when the market shifts, when a global pandemic happens, we are talking about being able to respond to today's needs and anticipate future needs and pivot in a direction to support getting the best outcomes, right? Absolutely. I mean, one of the reasons it was actually my editor who came up with the term nimble PM Mm -hmm. when I was writing, 
because she said, do you want something with agile in it? And I said, no, that will just confuse people as to what I'm talking about. But really the essence of nimbleness says, I don't Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen tomorrow, but Mm -hmm. I'm paranoid and I will therefore be as prepared as I can for an event to happen. I used to work for a man by the name of Andy Grove, one of the founders of Intel Corporation, who wrote a book called Only the Paranoids Survive. And you know what? I learned a lot from that attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So interesting. So because maybe if you're paranoid, you're always looking for the possible risks and thinking through what will I do if this risk comes either positively or negatively comes to visit our project? Well, I don't know if other people do this. I used to drive my project staff crazy when I was managing programs. Every staff meeting I started with, I want to know what wakes you up at two o'clock in the morning. I want to know what niggling thing at the back of your brain is concerning you that you would never dream of bothering me with. Because yes. you are a professional. If it's in the back of your brain, it's already at 50%. So right. tell me now. And I managed a lot of programs. And I can tell you how many risks didn't materialize. Because mm. somebody said, Donna, I don't even know what it is. But there, that, it stinks. Yeah, right. And we figured it out before it crashed and burned. Right. That's great. So you have a really interesting way of thinking about all of this. And you shared this term with me, mental models. And so I said, you know what, why don't we explain to people what that mental models are before we dive into how you think that really helps increase agility. So I pulled it up on Wikipedia before we started so that we could use a very kind of standard message and kind of definition around mental models before we go into how you use them, which I think is brilliant. So For those of you that are not familiar with the term mental model, Wikipedia describes it as an explanation of someone's thought process about how something works in the real world. It is a representation of the surrounding world, the relationships between its various parts, and, and this is my favorite part, a person's intuitive perception about his or her own acts and their consequences. So it, to me, what it's saying is, how do I think through how something works? How does that interact with the world? How do all of these pieces and parts interact? And how do I interact with this process, this world around me and the way something really works? So Donna, what do you think about that definition? I think that's utterly brilliant. I think you explained it perfectly. So the thing that people need to start focusing on Mm -hmm. is what do they really understand about the world around them? Mm -hmm. And where do they know in their unique environment, there are certain things that are supporting them, certain things that are not supporting them, Mm -hmm. and that they can work around it. If I will say, if anybody wants to reach out to me offline, I have a little model. It's a spider graph. Mm -hmm. And long ago, I identified that when you're managing a project or program, there were, and you can make up your own here, there were eight things that could reach out and get me. 
Mm-hmm. So I made the spider graph. And then I said to myself, do I have a stakeholder problem? And if I do, how severe it is? Do I have a problem with funding? Do I have a problem with my sponsors? So I'd go around, is technology going to beat me up? And then I could look at that. Now, this is, we talk about intuition. This was my personal perspective. But it told me where to focus. I had one program I was running where my sponsor was the wrong sponsor. Yeah. I sidestepped. Yeah. I got another sponsor, which I don't necessarily recommend to everybody else, but (laughs) I had the opportunity to gracefully do that. Yeah. Yeah. So these are all the things. And then there are some things where if it's that broken, try to pull it out of the program. Right. Because it means it's not going to work. But I love putting it on paper. Mm hmm. I don't have to, but it's nice to visualize it so that you can say, what am I preparing for? And a mental model is more than that. It's a set of heuristics. It's a set of assumptions that you just can work very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, if you talk to people, they'll say, but those are fixed assumptions. Right. The secret is you're always testing. Oh, okay. You walk three steps forward. Is this going the way I expect? Yes, no. If it's no, back up and rethink. If it's yes, go three more steps forward. Right. But many people assume in quotes and big letters, that's always a mistake. A mental model is a construct to guide you. Until reality tells you what's reality. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Donna, I want to see if we can like use an example to help people really solidify this concept here, because I think it's a really important one. And it's interesting because I know by that definition of mental model that I have like a gazillion of them. <laughs> you, know? you do. Yes. And how I interact with the world, how my PMO leaders are doing what they're doing. Like there's so many different mental models that are coming to mind for me, but I'd love it if you could walk us through maybe an example of this mental model and using this concept to maybe in the context of a PMO, if at all possible, how can we talk think about this mental model in terms of increasing agility for people that are working in a PMO and trying to figure out how to deliver their portfolio of initiatives with more intentional focus on outcomes and return on investment? So having once run a very, very early incarnation of a PMO. Yeah. The answer I start with, and this is a mental model, Uh strategy drives everything. Right. So I actually have to understand strategy Mm -hmm. at the level that I can talk to the senior VPs, that I can talk to the CEO, because that's essentially the people I was dealing with. Then from strategy, strategy drives portfolio decisions. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know as part of my mental model that having too many people on too many different things is very, very, very bad. Bad for people, bad for projects, 
So I'm not going to do that. I will arm wrestle an executive Mm -hmm. to get them to prioritize differently. Right. To save people. Why? Because they do so much better. And the value to the company improves. This is a mental model Mm -hmm. that I can support and therefore honestly go to an executive and say, tell me what you want done. Don't tell me how to do it. Right. And I can deliver. Right. Does that help? Yes, it does. And what's interesting here, Donna, as I'm listening to you, there are a few things you said, well, I'm like, well, duh, of course that makes sense. And somehow common sense isn't always put into common practice when it comes to project management and the PMO and how we think about the work we do and how we serve, because I'm listening to that. I'm like, well, yeah, that is a brilliant way to just kind of simply break down. Okay. Strategy drives everything, right? And we've got to tie the work we're doing to the outcomes of that, the strategy, the desired outcomes. I recorded a podcast today with Alex Chapman. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for connecting us. It was just like, be still my beating heart. She talks about desired outcomes. So I wanted to have her on the podcast talking about desired outcomes, right? And really helping the community, our impact drivers understand what we're talking about here. And this is an important part of that, right? Because Okay, it's not just about strategy, but it's about how do we ensure that that strategy is delivered in a way that achieves those desired outcomes and the highest possible return on investment for that strategy as quickly as possible. And to your point about the people, which is an incredibly important part of this. I mean, this is an example that we've used a couple of times recently. Imagine the busiest highway that you can possibly imagine. And I think Greg and I actually talked about this. Greg Bailey and I talked about this. And you've got a highway that is completely packed with people and you've got everyone 95% utilized. But what happens? Nobody's going anywhere. Gridlock, right? Nothing's getting done. Nothing's happening. And so the outcomes are not being achieved. The return on investment is dwindling away uh, with every new car on the highway, right? Desired outcomes aren't happening. The portfolio is not moving forward. The return on investment's not happening. And your people are getting burned out. All of those are things that break when we don't keep reality, like this mental model of how the world works in mind and make sure that we're making real-time decisions is where the agility comes in and prioritizing. And like you said, you'll arm wrestle the executives if you have to, to get them to prioritize. Because if we try to do everything at once and just throw bodies at it, we're not going to get the results that we're looking for. Everything wrong happens, right? So I think these mental models are an important way to really be realistic and thoughtful about how we do what we do and where we focus our energy as PMO leaders specifically in prioritizing the services that we put in place to support the right way to deliver those outcomes. Well, I wonder sometimes if, and I have a mixed reaction to the word service because I never yeah. thought of it as a service. Yeah. It was just okay. something I did. But, <laughs> but it was, it was in service. I know, of I know but I'm, I'm going to a mental model here. There's a point yeah. I'm finding. Yeah, yeah. I was once in a meeting with an executive vice president Mm -hmm. and I had taken over a program six months past the planned start date. So a year program I now had six months to deliver. So I worked out a plan and all of my staff is just shuddering going, Donna, you know, we can't do it in six months, but I worked out a plan that was a death march to do it. 
I brought it in, I gave it to him, and I said, I'll give you the 15 risks, I'll give you the body counts, I'll tell you what it's going to cost, right. I'll tell you that it's going to break, but if you want us to try, yeah, we can sign up. And he looked at me and he said, thank you for being honest with me, and thank you for delivering a plan that could do it in six months, and then you're crazy, woman, I won't let you do it. And right. I, knew, yes, I knew that this would happen. Right. This was a ploy. Right. If we truly know, I wonder if sometimes, and forgive me for saying this, we walk through our job. I never do anything I don't believe in. And anybody who knows me know I only yeah. come at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. If I can't deliver, or if I'm not sure my people can deliver, I go fix it. I don't let problems fester. Right, right. And I get, I think the reason executives have been willing to work with me is they know by the time I escalate, mm -hmm. it's serious. I, I mean, there's nothing else I can do because I have a track record of always doing. Right. I don't know if that's helpful, but I think it's important for a PMO to not think they're administrating. I think that was my reaction to the word service. I'm not an administrator. Right. Yeah. See, and it's funny because when I think service, yeah, I don't think it is it as, as a commodity. Right. I think of it more as the way of giving value to an organization, being a servant leader, providing service, yes. in service, in service of others. In service. Right? In that, service. that is a great term. Right. Though I've recently written two articles where I was using the term that we got from our after hours, mm -hmm. relationships before service. Uh-huh. Oh my God, I had never heard that before. That is the most profound thing I have ever heard. Mm -hmm. And it is so pertinent to everything we do for a living. Mm -hmm. Especially in PMOs, project yeah. management, program portfolio. It, it's true because, and that's a really good distinction there, right? You can't be in and in service to others, if you don't have those relationships, if you haven't built what we know in the business world, we call the no like and trust factor, right? People yep. that do marketing, that are engaging with their communities, they know that there are those three components and those three components are the foundation of building a real relationship. And that if you're not just being a commodity, right, which gets you to that administration and box checking and overhead. If you're not trying to be a commodity, then you have to, to be in service to others and to build what I call services and capabilities for an organization. It's all about understanding those relationships, building those relationships and understanding what the real needs, root causes of what people are asking for. Because if somebody says, Donna, well, we need a PMO. I never take that at face value because yeah. there are thousand definitions of a PMO just in one organization. And everybody's making their assumptions of what that means. And so in order to solve the business problems, to drive that return on investment for the strategy through what I call services and capabilities, you have to have that no like, and trust factor. You have to have those relationships so that you can be in service instead of a commodity. So that's just the way I think about it. And you're right. Relationships are key to all of this.
and they allow you to maneuver once you truly are in a relationship. Yeah. You can go to someone and say, I don't know for sure if this element's going to go wrong, but I think it is. And they'll say, okay, if you're concerned, I'm concerned. Right. Let's go see what we can find out versus go away, don't bother me. Or figure it out and walk away kind of thing. Yes. It's a different, you need all of this agility comes from everybody being committed. Yeah. And then what you want to do, and this is the start of the agile movement, no paperwork unless you need it. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. People misunderstand. It's not that the agile manifesto ever talked about no paperwork. Right. It talked about only the paperwork you needed. Try to take my schedule away from me. Yeah. Shotguns loaded. I don't know how to manage without it. But all that other stuff. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Right, right. You know, and it's funny because I remember one time when I was inside an organization building one of the PMOs I was building, I was building a PMO for part of an organization that had always resisted project management and the PMO construct. It had never been successful there. And so, of course, you know, glutton for punishment. Here I am trying to fix that. And I went and talked to a lot of the people that did the work in that part of the organization. And they said, oh, well, we're agile. We don't do documentation. (laughs) And I just laughed and like bit my tongue as best I could and said, okay, that's not exactly what it means, but it is about common. I I believe that agile and the whole agile movement is about putting common sense into common practice. Don't just create paperwork. We're not trying to be a paperwork engine. We're not trying to be an administrative engine. We're not trying to be box checkers, but there is value in a core set of things that are written down so that we know, like, for example, the desired outcomes, how do we know that we're, we need to write that down so that everybody knows that. And it's not just in somebody's head somewhere, the way that we're going to measure the value we've created, the work that has to get done. I mean, come on, like anybody that looks at any of these kind of technology tools or whatever that facilitate like scrum or like an agile implementation approach, there's a lot of stuff written down. And in fact, there's a lot of communication and a lot of meetings and a lot of information distribution and information sharing. It's not that there's no documentation. It's that it's only the documentation that's necessary to achieve the outcome. And that's where this agility whole mindset around agility comes in. Big A agile is based on little a agile. It really is. And I just think we're losing some of that because the most effective way to get anything done on the planet mm-hmm. is what we call a project, believe it or not. Oh, you yeah. Get the right people on the right work at the right time with the right set of objectives. And you know what? You can move anything, exactly. you can accomplish. I keep going back to the space program. Yeah. Does anybody really rethink we didn't have rockets? We didn't have Tang that came out of the, if anybody right. even remembers what that is. Right. We had nothing. And we got three people to the moon and back again. Right. We can work wonders mm-hmm. as long as we've got the right goals, the right people, and right. we're committed. And I still believe in that. And you mentioned something I want to touch on a little bit more because we cannot gloss over this. And this is just a really, I love how you just throw these little value bombs out there and then just let that sit. So you talked about the people 
a lot about the people in all of this. So I want to ask you one more question about this to really drive the point home because the people are everything in this process. Why is it that having the right project team is so critical for this agility and risk management? And how do you go about ensuring that you have the right people around you? I'm going to probably upset a lot of people. I have never put a project team together where I didn't interview everybody. Right. I made sure that the team had appropriate dynamics and that they were all committed right. because we were going to go very fast. I needed fully awake people, fully committed people. I once had someone who was, we were on a death march. Yeah. And somebody, we were at a wedding and someone asked one of my team members, why do you work for that woman? Uh-huh. He said, because she'd cry if I stopped working. And I <laughs> laughed at him and I said, I don't care why you think you're going to do it. Yeah. Thank you and keep going. Yeah, but yeah. That's, and we made it on time. Yeah. That's the key. No human being can do the work we're going to do by themselves. Right. And It's not only by themselves. I want teams, creative teams who are solving problems on the fly Mm because they're brilliant. Mm -hmm. I have such faith in people if we just unlock their capabilities. And a single person is never all they can be without the other people around them. We bring out the best in each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know that everybody can't build their team. And so I don't want this yeah, but monster to crawl up on their shoulders and say, that's great, Donna, but I don't get the opportunity to build my teams. I get who I get, right? And there are techniques to use to make sure you get the best out of them, right? And a lot of what we need to do when we're running our projects, running our programs and our PMO is help connect people with why they're there, and what matters and how they are contributing to it and inspire them. Because people, I believe, truly want to do good work, but if they're not properly motivated and inspired and engaged and connected to the outcomes, it's a lot harder to get them to want to be a part of it, right? Laura, that's, I thank you so much for saying that because even when I've worked in a role where I didn't pick the team, I still do management by walking around. And I remember talking to a developer and I said, can I tell you anything about the what you're doing, why you're writing this code? She said, yeah. yes. She asked me a question. I answered it. And she said, you know, I've worked here for eight years. Mm-hmm. No one has ever talked to me about why I'm writing the code I'm writing. Mm. And she said, I would have written it very differently. But and- thank you for including me. I also had a group an open session that met every other Thursday that anybody in the team Mm -hmm. could come to, not -hmm. just people who reported to me, and we could talk about the work we were doing. So there's back ways, back channel ways to start to build teams, to make people care, even if you are not in charge. But we have to care about the people. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think you touched on something there that I really just want to dive into for one minute here, because there is a scary, scary statistic that I read that 95% of a typical workforce does not understand 
its organization strategy. Can you believe that? I mean, and what you just said, and it's our own fault. It's leadership's fault, right? Because it's not enough to hold a town hall or to throw a presentation out there or to have some lofty strategic objective that's not explained to people more down at the level of the people doing the work, right? And you stopped and you paused and said, you know what? Let me help you understand how what you're doing connects to everything else. And if more businesses did just that, just that, nothing else, but helped people understand, help the 95% that don't understand why they're there, then you can change the way an organization delivers on that strategy just by having that conversation. It is so amazing when you trust people and talk to them. Mm -hmm. They are creative. They're involved. I've got research that shows that just encouraging people to take a little bit of independent thought and action, mm -hmm. quote, entrepreneurialism, right. improves the results of everything because right. it's that extra push of initiative mm -hmm. that will get you the fantastic success. It can't be phony. Don't misunderstand anything I'm saying. Right. Anything other than authentic because right. people have a radar for bullshit. Right. Exactly. And just for anyone that is interested on the statistic, this came from a Harvard business study. So this wasn't just some random schmoes that were trying to do this. This was a Harvard business study that was, it was mostly mid to large size companies. I think actually this is where a small and micro business actually has an advantage because yep. there's not so many layers and it's really clear because your CEO's there with you in the trenches, right? But it makes sense that as you get into a larger mid or a larger sized company, that there's going to be more layers and more disconnection there. And this is one of the golden opportunities of PMOs, Donna. Now, way back, way back machine. I'm building a PMO inside an organization and I was a part, it was a smaller company, but I was a part of the leadership team. I meet with the executives and I say, okay, great. We've got this huge portfolio of customer facing projects. What's the priority? And you know what they said, Donna, right? It's all priority. Yes, exactly. And I said, great. So we have unlimited resources, unlimited budget, unlimited time, all these. And they're like, no, 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 we don't have any of that. And I said, okay, then. So we're going to need to figure out how to prioritize these customer facing projects. It's not that the bottom one on the list wasn't an important customer, but it was about how we focus and still focus the first step in the impact driver model and still focus and get people focused on these priorities. And Donna, here's what we did. So we got everything prioritized and it took us a little while to get them to like emotionally let go of not prioritizing them, right? Everybody's important. Of course they are. But if you want to fail at all of them, keep doing what you're doing, right? So <laughs> So we got them onto a very simple dashboard, helped people understand why each of these customer initiatives was important, where we were in the process. Was it simple, red, yellow, green? How far along are we? Basic information. And Donna, this dates me, but I put it on my door, right? We didn't, we, yeah. we hadn't built the technology yet. I put the dashboard on my door and everyone from the people that answered the phones to the people that were delivering the work, the developers and the customer support staff and all of them would look at this dashboard and made different decisions about what they focused on because they understood the priorities and it was clear to them why they were doing what they were doing, right? We explained to them, this is what this customer does for a business. 
This is why their work is important. This is how you doing this is going to change their lives and change their customers' lives. And it changed the way an entire organization operated, Donna, simply by closing that gap. And this is an easy thing that a PMO could do to be in service to their organization. I love that story, Laura. It's And I have seen that in my own career, just having the knowledge. And that's part of my message. When you talk to people, yeah, I once said to my team, well, we need this, but I don't think we really want to invest the time or money to write this code. Right. So a brand new college graduate came in a week later and said, Donna, come look at my code. I wrote it over the weekend. And you know what? It was halfway there. I mean, it was raw code, but he was so excited to do it. I never asked. In fact, I said we weren't going to do it, but he thought the problem was creative. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we want. We want to unleash creativity, unleash passion, and unleash commitment, all in the service of what we do either for our company or our company does for its own clients. Right. Oh, so good. So good, Donna. Okay. So before we wrap up this session, Donna, I want to make sure that I keep my promise that I said at the beginning, which is that you would give people a sneak peek as to what you're covering this year at the PMO Impact Summit. And also, I just want to make sure that if you have not registered, what the heck are you waiting for, Impact Driver? You want to be an Impact Driver, you must show up for this event. It is the week of September 20th, and the sessions run 24 hours a day, so you can watch it in whatever time zone you are in. And Donna's session will be amongst those many sessions that are recorded in advance so that you can see it from the luxury of your couch or your office desk from wherever you are in the world in whatever time zone you're in. So Donna, can you tell people a little bit about what to expect at your session? I can't. So I'm talking about resource management, the Mm -hmm. art of getting the right people to the right project at the right time. Perfect. It's a Anybody who knows me knows I talk a lot about tacit knowledge, the experiential parts of it. Right. But it's fundamentally bringing home the fact that we do need the right people and how to get the right people and more importantly, support the right people, mm-hmm. how to make sure that it's the right project at the right time, because where many PMOs and portfolios don't get it right is they try to put the wrong project in the wrong mm. order. There's nothing wrong with the project. It's just right. the wrong time. So it's the art of Mm -hmm. making those three things work together. And that's what I'll be talking about. Oh my goodness. Okay. So this is so awesome. I'm excited for your session at the summit for all of you that are new to Donna, you're not new to her now, and you know, you're in for a real treat at the summit and you want to join us for our impact after hours sessions as well, leading up to the summit. And then during the summit where Donna is a regular guest on those happy hour style live stream Q and a sessions with thought leaders from around the globe. So Donna, thank you so much for being here for today, sharing your brilliant insights and doing all all that you do to give back to this community. Thank you very much for asking me, Laura. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Don't forget this episode is sponsored by Meisterplan. Meisterplan is a project portfolio management and resource management tool that helps companies create realistic and achievable project portfolios with features like drag and drop project ranking, real-time scenario comparison, and allocation heat maps. Portfolio managers have all the project data they need 
right at their fingertips. To see how MeisterPlan can help you uncomplicate your project portfolio, take a free 30-day trial at MeisterPlan.com. That's M-E-I-S-T-E-R-P-L-A-N.com. Okay, that's it for this episode of the PMO Strategies Podcast. Make sure that you download these episodes so that you have them with you no matter where your impact journey takes you. And make sure to say hello to Donna inside the Impact Driver Network mobile app and online community. And let's keep the conversation going. I'll see you at the summit. Bye-bye for now.